Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Rakesh Lunkar. Rakesh is the president of Transmit Security, a company that he co-founded in 2014. It is a company that focuses on identity experience. He and his team are focused on delivering a passwordless future for companies. I look forward to understanding his thoughts on that. In June, the company announced that it had received the largest Series A venture investment in the history of cybersecurity, a $543 million investment for a valuation of $2.2 billion. Rakesh has been a serial entrepreneur, having founded and led companies such as Trusteer, which was sold to IBM in 2013. He's also an investor in a wide array of cybersecurity investments, including Zscaler and Palo Alto Networks, and therefore someone who has a great perspective on the fast-evolving and complex environment of cybersecurity. I look forward to covering all of the above with him. But first, a word from our sponsor, QuickBase, and the company's chief executive officer, Ed Jennings. QuickBase is a low-code application development platform focused on citizen automation, and Ed wanted to share how the company helps organizations democratize automation. Ed, over to you. At QuickBase, our mission is to unlock the potential of organizations to adapt and innovate at speed. We do this by empowering business technologists within organizations to leverage low-code, no-code, to visually build their own applications, click and drag, integrate across their existing systems, and eliminate manual and clumsy processes by writing their own workflow automations. As we see more technology responsibilities shifting to the business, here are the top three ways that CIOs can unlock the potential of their own businesses to adapt and innovate faster. One, empower a culture of innovation where every member of the team feels responsible for building and innovating digital solutions. Two, build a practice of citizen automation in your company, build out governance frameworks and communities of practice. And three, equip the team with the right citizen automation tools. My name is Ed Jennings and I'm the CEO of QuickBase. I look forward to sharing how we've helped over 5,000 enterprises mature their citizen automation programs. And now on to the interview. Rakesh Lunkar, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Peter. I really appreciate it. Well, wonderful. Rakesh, I, I, uh, you, of course, are a co-founder and president of Transmit Security, a cybersecurity organization that focuses on identity experience. Uh, for those who may be less familiar with the term, maybe take a moment, if you would, and, and define it for us, please. Well, well, absolutely. Well, first, I would just say that we've, as, as an industry, as a population, we've learned to suffer uh, username and password. Uh, we, we have really complex passwords. I have different passwords for every single application. Sometimes my browser has the wrong uh, password uh, cached. And uh, for me, at least, I've, um, you know, I get locked out of accounts all the time. Sometimes I'm actually forced to call the call center. And so inherent within this concept of the application needing to validate your identity, there are all these bad experiences that come with it. And there's also a number of security issues that come with it as well. Uh, the nature of almost all the bot problems uh, are are around credential theft and reuse of credentials. The, the nature of almost all fraud, whether uh, you have a fraud problem or not, uh, but it affects customer experience and the way anybody sees a particular brand is uh, and revolves around username and password and the theft of those. And so fundamentally, if we can look at everything differently, and if there's a way of effectively eliminating username and password 
from the front door of the application, then the byproduct of that is significant and can be significant improvements in the user experience. Another example of that is every retailer talks about how they have to do MFA or if they're thinking about doing MFA, but they don't want to. The user experience team doesn't, the business team doesn't, but for increased security. So if you had better security from the front door of the application, then all of the tools we use throughout the application flow that degrade the user experience can be taken away or eliminated, thereby making the user experience uh, incredibly trivial and, and easy uh, for, for us to all access applications. Well, that's, that's a good overview, Rakesh, and, and certainly uh, for those of us, uh, presumably everyone who's listening to this who interacts with their bank or with various retailers or all sorts of different companies with whom they are logging in with some frequency, uh, it, it's kind of uh, almost, you know, we, we accept that that's necessary for security purposes. Um, so it's interesting to hear you talk a little bit about like a different path forward and the rationale behind it. But But talk a bit about, if you would, uh, what outcomes can people achieve by eliminating passwords? And also, why now? Why is this the right time to do it? Uh, th that's a great question, Peter. In, in terms of business outcomes, and when I talk about business outcomes, I'm talking about customer-facing applications. And if you're a customer-facing application owner, of course, you have primary login. Everyone uses username and password, if not something with more friction. And if you break your primary login users into three categories, your, your active users, your infrequent users, and your uh, almost never users, each one has its own failure rate increasing as the user doesn't interact with your application. And so the first business outcome is for all of those users, we can dramatically improve uh, the, the failure rate associated with primary login and identify the user. The second thing we can do is many people talk about the number of clicks that you have to get in to log in. People just want to be able to provide a service. We can eliminate almost all the clicks, just one click, and the user can be into the application uh, right away. Uh, another example is secondary authentication. If you use strong authentication using the platform support, you can actually eliminate or dramatically reduce the step-up process or the multi-factor process later in the application flow while actually improving user experience. Another example, uh, I have a lot of them, uh, is account recovery. For the users who are locked out and they have to call the call center or have to go through the, I don't remember my account or I don't remember my password, we can help recover those accounts in 25 seconds or less, including user actions. Uh, there are a whole set of other business outcomes regarding registration, contact center, improving mobile adoption, and it all involves the same root cause, which is the problematic nature of username and password and eliminating that. Now, the second thing you asked was why now as opposed to not before and what has changed in the environment is that the browser manufacturers, the PC manufacturers, the mobile device manufacturers, and by the way, this is global. This is not just uh, Dell, Microsoft, uh, Google, and Apple. Uh, even the Chinese manufacturers support the use 
of biometrics on the majority of devices. Now, more than 99% of mobile devices have some form of biometric support today, which is usable by application owners. And the second is that about 45% of consumer devices, 85% of corporate devices have biometrics on them. And the question is, how do you use that to assert the real identity of a real human being without the user doing much or anything for an application? And that's exactly the problem that Transmit Security has solved in a very, very lightweight way that can be literally tested and integrated in a matter of hours. So, so Rakesh, you've alluded to uh, the, the, the new way of doing things and, and why now is the right time to do so. But, you know, all of us are very used to uh, a, a begrudgingly used to, I should add, uh, a, to a process of, of logging into the various sites that we use uh, personally and professionally in order to confirm our identity and, and uh, maintain what we hope at least is a modicum of, uh, of security associated with that. Talk a bit about how you bring that to life. What, what is the, the process that takes, takes the place of what all of us are very used to, to experiencing on a day-in, day-out basis? Sure, absolutely. The first is you have to think about it in two ways. The first is what's the work that the application owner has to do uh, to uh, implement such a solution? And uh, the second is what are the user experiences that you have to develop that are out of the box that that application owner can basically use and leverage within minutes or hours. And so on the application side, uh, we have a very simple interface. We're a full service. So it doesn't matter whether you have 10 users or 100 million users or 300 million users. We take care of it. You basically call the service. It's an open standards interface. Um, and on the back end, what we're doing is we're supporting every single device uh, combination. And uh, we know whether the device has biometrics. We understand exactly the security of those devices. We're supporting non-biometric devices as well. We're supporting uh, the concepts of the users uh, using multiple devices or multiple users on one device, all packaged with this trivial API that then plugs in to any identity provider, whether or not uh, it's a heterogeneous environment. So you can have a heterogeneous uh, identity environment and we can literally plug in almost instantly and we take care of everything literally out of the box. And so that's what we're doing. And then of course, banks, retailers, fintechs, everybody, governments, they all have their own user experiences and the beautiful thing is, is that we are able to handle all of those user experiences regardless of vertical and business case and use case with this really simple API call. You started to list off some industries that, that presumably are some of the, the areas where you focused uh, primarily in the early stages, financial services, retail uh, among them. Talk a bit about the uh, where you began and how that's evolved and, and the industries that have been most ripe for adoption for you in recent months? We, we originally started the company and went to market about five and a half years ago, and we focused on financial institutions. And the financial institutions have some of the hardest and toughest security requirements, but also 
they've also had some of the worst user experiences. And so in terms of uh, you know, industries that wanted to improve, uh, the financial industry was a great starting point. However, what we've seen is that that has migrated. Today, our customer base spans the world's largest retailers, telecommunication providers, uh, e-commerce firms, uh, firms uh, uh, payment companies, uh, auction sites, uh, you name it. Uh, anything that is a customer-facing application and where the application owner wants to use improved security to improve the user experience. That's a great overview. I wanted to ask you more generally, Rakesh, as somebody who has been an entrepreneur multiple times over, as somebody who invests in a great number of cybersecurity organizations, past and present, and therefore, as a result of having reasons in your primary day jobs, in addition to your, your board experience and your investor experience, to think about the various aspects of cybersecurity and the evolution of this very complex uh, field, uh, talk a bit more generally, if you would, about where things are now and, and how things have evolved. I'd be interested to, with your perspective, especially tuned towards uh, you know, the tech and digital executives who are listening now, as to the sorts of things they should be aware of in terms of the, the ever-evolving landscape as you see it. Uh, absolutely. Well, first, um, uh, my, my business partner, uh, Mickey Budai, and I, as you mentioned, uh, Peter, are pretty active investors in, in security and cybersecurity. We, uh, over the last 15 years, we either started or were the first investors in uh, Palo Alto Networks, Zscaler, Imperva, uh, Trustier, Armis, uh, and a number of other uh, really successful companies. The, the first observation within cyber is that we're going through a tremendous boom of innovation and that fragmentation is going to continue uh, uh, for the near future. And that's an absolute certainty. Uh, the idea that one vendor can serve it all, uh, which is nice in concept, is highly unlikely. Uh, most likely, the customers who think like that will get technologies that are 10 to 15 years old. The, the second is that what we're seeing is even in the traditional spaces that used to be able to serve similar use cases, and I'll pick identity just because I'm in identity. Uh, for example, we'd pick the same vendor to serve customer-facing identity and enterprise-facing identity. And what we're finding is that even these segments are completely diverging. The roadmaps are different. The support infrastructure is different. The cloud infrastructure is different. The privacy requirements are different. The feature sets are different. The adjacent segments are different. The partners are different. Uh, everything is different. And so what we're seeing is that um, all of this is really fundamentally changing as the security space gets larger and gets more specialized which is definitely, in my opinion, a secular trend. Very interesting. Hey, I wanted to also ask you about, uh, you know, I remember when you and I met and the company was, I think, less than 10, 10 people uh, was Transmit Security. We've, we've been in touch as it's grown remarkably. And across the seven plus, most of the, the seven plus years that you've now been in business, um, or organically without any outside investors. In June of this year, 
you raised uh, more than a half a billion dollars, the largest Series A in the history of cybersecurity at a pre-money valuation of $2.2 billion. Uh, why now? Why, why the, uh, the change of opinion of, of seeking outside capital? Why was the time right now uh, to do so? It's, it's a really interesting question, and I, I, I hope uh, everyone thinks it's, a, it's an interesting observation. Now, we, we had started the company. We incorporated back in 14. We launched our first product in the middle of 2016, and uh, we essentially grew to be a $100 million company, ARR company, without any funding. We, uh, we loaned the company less than $10 million. We paid ourselves back. And before we got funding, uh, we, we had more than $75 million on the balance sheet and we're producing probably about $30 million of free cash flow a year. It's really a tremendous business achievement uh, to be able to do that with venture capital. Now, the problem is that nobody cared. And uh, we were the way uh, young companies generate excitement, generate brand, generate meetings and end up on lists to be considered is you have to be in the funding ecosystem. And if you're not uh, in that news cycle, uh, nobody knows about you. So we were one of the most successful companies identity that nobody knew about. And so that was the first problem, uh, which we were surprised about, but being pragmatic business people, we quickly changed our minds based on the data that we had and you know the realization of where we were. The second is that we're crossing this threshold of going from $100 million in revenue to half a billion in annual revenue. And the types of executives you need are completely different. So the people that helped us build the company, they're still here, but to think of the company at scale and how do you support thousands and then hundreds of thousands and even millions of customers is just a different set of perspectives. It's a different set of skills. And so we needed to hire an executive team that understood that. And without equity value being set by venture capital, private equity firms, we just couldn't get executives that we wanted here to take us seriously because uh, they needed a value set for the company. And so those two things drove us to, uh, to raising money and, uh, and, and it led to this very, very successful fundraising, which we did actually, and we went for fundraising and we raised 543 million and got all the commitments in the less than three weeks because of the quality of the company. So we we're really happy about that. You're remarkable as you should be. Congratulations, Rakesh. I, I wanted to also ask you, um, you know, as you as you look to the future, um, how do you see the company continuing to evolve? Uh, you know, wh where do you see it going from here, based on the very successful platform that you have developed? the The first thing is what we're doing is super innovative and really cool, which is that what we're able to do is strongly authenticate a user with no software on their devices. Just imagine that for a moment, okay? I don't have to have any software on their mobile device or their PC or whatever, and I can uh, strongly authenticate that user from the front door with a better user experience and username and password. 
And so that in itself, that no company in the world can do that today. And uh, now the interesting thing about that is that that's applicable to millions of customers. There are millions of application owners uh, that can use that. And we're focused on making sure we deliver the best customer experience outcomes uh, to all of those customers, whether it's a massive entertainment company with hundreds of millions of users, a government customer, a financial institution, you, you know, you, a telecommunications company. And what we'll be doing in the future is there are a lot of adjacent spaces um, that uh, we'll be growing into and adding additional functionality into this platform. So application owners can add a number of different customer-facing security features that are just simply not available today really easily with just by calling a simple API. That's excellent. Very, very compelling in terms of your, your vision for the future. I, I wonder, before I let you go, um, generally speaking, are there kind of a, a hit list of, of recommendations that you would provide to technology and digital leaders uh, beyond what we've already discussed, um, clear, clearly getting more cognizant of and aware of the, the value uh, and magic of, of this passwordless future that you envision uh, is, is part of the recommendation. What are some other things that you would suggest, especially in light of some of what you described in terms of the evolution of, of this complex environment of, of cybersecurity and cyber threats that are ever evolving. Are, are there a few recommendations you particularly call out uh, in terms of uh, the, the best recipes for, for securing the enterprise? It, it, it's an interesting question. First, I would say that I strongly recommend to any CIO or executive to take part of their budget and dedicate it to really innovative companies. And I think that there are very few ways of kind of disrupting one's own technology stack. And I think that it has to be built into the budgets upfront uh, so that it, it serves as a forcing function. You don't necessarily have to spend it, uh, but it serves as a forcing function to really look uh, for new technologies. And the reason to do that is because I think we're in this very, very innovative period where the technologies that you may even acquire four or five years ago are outdated. And to stay up to date, you really have to uh, you know, stay, stay current with uh, all of the, the new innovations and the really neat ways of doing things. Of course, to lower costs, uh, and, um, you know, at least in the, the case of digital transformation and customer facing applications to improve the user experience and, and all, all, the, all the other business metrics you're trying to, to reach. The, the second recommendation I have is that outside of identity, there are two very interesting classes of uh, security technologies that are emerging, uh, which is the, fir the first one is how do you um, shift left in terms of improving the quality of code uh, to make sure that your developers are not introducing software vulnerabilities? And I think this is an incredibly interesting area. There are a number of very, very interesting companies. And the second is this whole area of cloud security. I think we're in the first inning of 
literally hundreds of companies that will be created that are very, very large, that are offering really innovative ways of securing the multitude of problems in the cloud environments we have. That's excellent. Well, Rakesh Lunkar, thank you so much for joining us on Technovation today, sharing a bit about this remarkable journey you've been on as an entrepreneur, generally speaking, uh, with Transmit Security more specifically. Congratulations on the the remarkable vote of confidence that you received uh, with your Series A venture round, and I wish you continued success. Thank you so much, Peter. I just want to leave your audience uh, with this last thing. Uh, every single time they have to enter their password, change their password. They can't remember their password. Their passwords are too long. They have to enter strange characters in their password. They get locked out uh, or any other uh, problems. Uh, remember to go passwordless and please remember transmit security. Very good. Thank you so much.